This is the Wellsville Municipal Pool. It opens every year on the first day of summer. How do you know the summer is really and truly over? My dad says it's over precisely one second after midnight on September 21st. And in between lies paradise. For those 12 weeks, every radio station plays your favorite song. Every can opener feels like it's in slow-mo. And every trip to the deep end seems more beautiful than the last. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. Oh, joy! Let's rock! It makes me wanna fight! Dear Journal, it's me, Doug. Do you have it? A baby's gotta do what a baby's gotta do. <laughs> On your mark, get set. Oh, here it goes. Jump out of the public pool and stick your face in a freezer full of blue tornado bars because we've got an episode battle to wage. Welcome, Slimesters and Gakoids, to Splat Attack, where we're taking it back to the slime-filled past. I'm your lifeguard on duty, Brett. And I'm your swirly-headed ice cream man, Alex. And Brett, what are we doing to celebrate the first day of summer? I'm glad you asked, Alex, because we have some something special in store to beat the summer heat. We'll actually be doing a new format episode today simply called the Episode Battle. And how it works is similar to the Versus match, kind of like what we did for Are You Afraid of the Dark versus Goosebumps, combined with an episode review. So instead of having two different shows face off against each other, we're actually having two episodes face off against each other from the same show. The key difference is basically that. But before we get ready for this Wet n' Wild showdown, who is our guest today, Alex? Why, it would be none other than the famed 90s Nick podcaster, Joey, from The Big Orange Couch. I just picked him up in my ice cream truck, and he's all cooled and ready for this heated debate that we're about to spew out. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> thanks for inviting me today, guys. Thanks for thanks for uh reading that pre-scripted uh those <laughs> words that I made that I made you read, Alex. <laughs> well, that's all right. You're I'm welcome. pretty good at reading. I, I graduated in third grade. <laughs> you forgot the part about greatest ever, but that's okay. I'll, I'll forgive you. <laughs> oh, was that oh I didn't see that. <laughs> yeah, I must yep. I'm, I need to get some bifocals. Well, that's all right. That's all right. I'll have to borrow Brett's. <laughs> i'll pay you anyways I, I do have to admit your track record is pretty impressive as a podcaster joey uh do you want to fill our slimesters and gackoids in um basically what your podcast is all about and how you got involved with that um yeah my podcast is called big orange couch uh and it's with my best bud uh andrew we've been friends since we were three years old and uh so we would literally watch nickelodeon on the couch together growing up and um yeah, we just decided, and I think it's five years now, we decided that uh, we wanted to do a podcast and we, you know, probably had the most to say about this time period. Uh, and so it's been fun. We do, we do all sorts of different shows and formats and um, we uh, love being part of this community with you guys and meeting all these incredible people. It's been awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty sure most of our listeners, because we deal with the same type of content, are probably already yeah. familiar with your work. But if you are listening and you're not familiar with Big Orange Couch, give them a listen. They've got some great content, a lot of things to listen to, and a pretty good variety, too. So check them out, please. They're awesome. Thanks. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I, Joey and I and Andrew also go fairly fairly back because uh, I it, it's it's interesting because before 2017 when I first started working on my Scary Tales book, which is like an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode guide, um, I never actually heard about podcasts before. I had no idea what they were, why people were tuning into them on their phones, like what the details were, and I remember like way back then. Uh, I was looking for something to listening to other than music while I was like grinding out the writing for that book. And I remember stumbling upon Big Orange Couch and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. It's, uh, you know, it's that Snick Couch from 90s Nickelodeon. <laughs> so that kind of attracted me to um, start listening to them. And I just really love the like down to earth tone that they have with their conversations. And of course, all the laughter and the the fun spins that they take on uh, creative topics like uh the Are You Afraid of the Dark Objects, the favorite ones, that was a personal favorite mm. of mine that was recent. And then, um, you know, just loads of other things that were there. And uh, eventually, you know, throughout the throughout the years, as I was doing art to try and make a living as a freelance illustrator, I just kind of ran into them uh, around the time uh, they did a Dr. Vink episode, I believe. Yeah. Uh, round mm. episode 100. And I just decided to jump on board and get some exposure and get to know them better. And you know, over 70, 75 pieces of art later, I'm still here kicking and helping this podcast that I do with Alex and helping Joey and Andrew out whenever possible, just to keep the 90 spirit alive in all of us. For sure. It's, it's a pretty incredible community. And uh, yeah, we feel, we feel pretty, pretty lucky to have come across, across you, Brett. Thank you. That, that means a lot to me, Joey. I never would have expected that I'd be here today. Um, doing what I do, because I don't know if I mentioned it to you before, but this this podcast more or less is inspired by what you have done, just doing our own spin on it. And uh, I felt it was like necessary to kind of give you guys like a helping hand because there's just so much 90s nostalgia out there to cover, even in just Nickelodeon. Um, and we want to be able to at least get most of it done before we're like old and walking around with canes. <laughs> So uh, <laughs> we're, we're joining the fight for the sake of preserving uh, 90s Nickelodeon culture right alongside with, you with you. With you, yeah. Cool. Um, well, do you guys have any other questions before we jump in? Should we list uh, who's defending what? Yes, that is a definite must. Which episodes are we talking about and who is defending which episode? Yes. Uh, so for those of you who have paid attention to our previous episode where we hinted at it uh, in the Tomorrow People, the origin story, uh, we were going to be talking about Splashdown and what we did on our summer vacation, two summer-themed Pete and Pete episodes, uh, both very well known in uh, the 90s Nickelodeon universe. And I will be defending Splashdown today, hence the background. <laughs> and I will be defending what we did on our summer vacation as they are dressed in winter garb behind me. Very appropriate. <laughs> it's so hot, they're cool. <laughs> Before we get into the battle, I just have a few quick questions for Joey, if you're interested. Uh, what started your love of Pete and Pete? Oh my goodness. I mean, that's 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 complex. Um, I don't know. Like, it, you know, other shows are really easy to identify what you love about them. Like, you know, Are You Afraid of the Dark? You love scary stories or, you know, an animated show. But Pete and Pete was just kind of this perfect niche of weird and musical. And um, I don't know. I, w I was like before P Pete and Pete, I was a Pee Wee Herman kid. And um, 
you know, like all things strange. And at the time, you don't know it's really strange. You just think it's like really cool and fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And only in retrospect, do I realize that like, I'm really drawn to odd stuff. But um, yeah, just like Andrew and I immediately bonded over this show, became obsessed with Polaris. um, And uh, yeah, quoting it, it just, yeah, stuck, stuck out like a sore thumb amongst the other Nickelodeon shows. It's, it's quite a unique show among the bunch, I would say. Nothing yeah. really has that surreal suburban feel to it that's very relatable yet for like the, the weird kids who don't quite fit in. What's one thing that you love about each of these selected episodes, if you could pick just one? Ooh, well, I mean, you, you mentioned the summer aspect. Pete and Pete is like one of those rare shows that I think actually hits every season really well in respective episodes. Um, and so I think these are the two correct episodes to pick if you're talking summer Mm -hmm. Um, Andrew and I did our favorite Pete and Pete's and these two episodes were actually if you count my top 11 they're very close to each other they're only a couple apart oh wow Um, and uh, yeah so I love both of these I think they nail summer in different ways but in ways Mm -hmm. that are relatable that's a great answer Um, I definitely enjoy these episodes too for different ways too and it's Really interesting to see how like the the style differs between them because one's in the specials category, which is kind mm-hmm. of pre-season one, and then one's mm-hmm. like in the middle beginning of season three. So other than like seeing the obvious differences, like yeah. you know, the ages of the Pete's, uh, you get some like more mature themes that are involved and mm-hmm. maybe less uh celebrity cameos and more about like, you know, deeper plots or solving mysteries or you know, d- just more more complex uh storylines that are involved yeah I, I when i think of um with summer vacation i think of kind of like vignettes weird little vignettes um these great little these great little tales uh and when i think of splashdown i think of kind of a show that is um you know it's we know the characters we know the town and it's um you, a, a more central focus but uh, both work in their own own peculiar way uh, what would you say you love most about summer <laughs> while we're talking about the topic of summer and summer <laughs> Pete and Pete episodes? Um, well, I live in Ohio and so I love that it's just summer. Like uh, winter is very long here. Mm-hmm. Uh, spring is essentially like winter 2.0 uh, where we'll get like snow in April still. Oh boy. Um, so <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just a relief. Like the ant hearing the animal, I, the stuff, even in Pete and Pete, I love hearing the insects and the birds chirping and mm. the nature comes out. Uh, we have a lot of deer around here, which is fun. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. It, I don't have anything crazy. It's just, it's summer is summer and it's, uh, ice cream and sunshine and it's fun. All the good vibes that come along with it. Right. <laughs> cool. All right, then yes. let's, uh, suit up and, Get our battle flags because this is time for an episode battle. Uh, just to preface this episode battle, uh, The Adventures of Pete and Pete is a cult classic among its loyal fan base. It embodies all that is holy, alternative, and quirky in the best ways, while also being a time capsule of 90s culture from music to guest stars to storylines. Today, we're gonna examine two heavy hitters from opposite ends of the Pete and Pete spectrum under the umbrella of summertime. So without further ado, let's engage in the episode battle. 
Starting off, we have the second Pete and Pete special, What We Did on Our Summer Vacation, which first aired on September 9th, 1991, and was special number two of five before the official seasons began production. This episode was also covered on Big Orange Couch as episode 18 on August 20th, 2017. As for Splashdown, it first aired on October 22nd, 1995, as the fourth episode of season three, and was also covered on Big Orange Couch as episode 119 on July 7th, 2019, to which I also did the art for on social media. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good piece of art. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah, uh, Pete's doing his uh, cannonball into the water and uh, uh, Big Pete's like facing him, like blowing his whistle. Beautiful. It really embodies that summer feel. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Um, Joey, will you do us the honors and list our categories for us today, please? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, we got five nifty categories. We have story. We have main characters. Of course, this uh, this is what I'm really looking forward to. The citizens of Wellsville. Uh, correct, right? Citizens yep. of Wellsville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the use of summer theme, of course. And then uh, simply why it's the better episode of the two. Sounds great. I'm sure we're going to have a lot to talk about for each category. All right. Well, um, I, I think we have to start with story just in case there's people out there who, uh, you know, are, are fuzzy on the details uh, that that'll set us a, a good base. I think if we go with story first, Alex, do you want to start since your episodes first in Pete and Pete chronology? Sure. Uh, so for what we did in our summer vacation, it's the story begins at the end of summer. Uh, with Big Pete narrating and Little Pete in the background, usually uh, playing on top of a car. And this episode happens via flashback, like quite a few uh, Pete and Pete episodes do, uh, with uh, Big Pete doing the narration. And starts off on how the summer began, with going to the beach with Artie and attacking the waves and uh, spending time with friends where you see little Pete with his buddy sliding down a hill on a giant block of ice that freezes their butts numb to the point where little Pete stands up. I can't feel my butt. And uh, then you have your signs that it's summer. And uh, after that, they comment that it's not summer without Mr. Tasty. And Mr. Tasty is, well, if you're watching, you can see the character behind me. That's Mr. Tasty. If you're listening, it's the ice cream man, uh, which wears a red and white striped suit with a giant plastic ice cream swirl head. It's the poop emoji, only white. with. <laughs> uh, but that, that's essentially what he looks like. And he's super friendly, uh, very polite, and it's just all about wanting to do nice things for the kids. Just here's some ice cream. Have a good day. And, and everyone, all the kids are super excited to see Mr. Tasty. And then after a while, uh, Ellen is working at the Quickie, Quick Picks or, or something to that effect. I think it was Quick Picks, uh, which is a photo booth. Uh, well, not a photo booth, but a photo development booth. And they notice that Mr. Tasty has got some pictures. And Nobody knows who Mr. Tasty is. That that begins to really gnaw at the main group of uh, the brothers Pete and Ellen, and they want to try to figure out who he is. And then Ellen has found that 
Mr. Tasty has got some photos that have been developed. And of course, little Pete is, well, let's look at the photos. Maybe we can see who he is. And he's been touring all over uh, these fantastic landmarks. And he still has that giant swirl head on everywhere. But the one thing they notice the most is Mr. Tasty has nobody with him in any of these photos. It's just him. And that's when Ellen begins to realize that this guy must be lonely. And they start to go out of their way to try to bond with Mr. Tasty, but they don't know how to go about it. So they just make small talk and it's fine, but it's not quite clicking. And then they start asking, can we help you? Uh, do you, uh, I just need to wax the, the ice cream van. It's like, oh, well, can we help? It's just a one person job. And then they start asking about being friends. And then he's, no, no, we, we can't do that. I, I'm I'm delivering ice cream. That's that's all I'm supposed to do. As I'm just bringing you ice cream. Is is that not enough? And then he begins to here to take these ice cream. Take these ice cream, please. Just take it and 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 go. And they're very confused by it. And by them trying to connect with Mr. Tasty, Mr. Tasty no longer shows up. And all the kids begin to something of summer is just evaporated from them and uh, they really start trying to look for Mr. Tasty. They put one, not wanted signs. He's not a criminal. They start putting up uh, missing signs like a puppy dog all over the city, all over the town, all over Wellsville. And they start uh, doing lookouts, trying to find him. And they just, he's nowhere. And uh, they come across another Mr. or another ice cream man on the beach. And it's just not the same. And then they finally give up and it's the end of summer. He's not coming back. And then Mr. Tasty shows up at the photo development shop and now they're all excited. Mr. Tasty, you're, you're, you're back. He's like, well, of course I'm back. And I'm here to get my pictures. And then they start to look at the pictures and he begins to realize how important he was to the kids because he saw all the missing signs and, um, then he invites them to come over and you know what why don't you guys help me with the uh, wax the van and they start to wax the van as well as waxing the ice cream hat, uh, mask and says don't worry I'll, I'll be back next summer and asked if he could take one picture with them before they before he went on his way and that's when the trio began to realize that even though what they did was a small thing even though that small thing is still important to somebody. And that is what we did on our summer vacation. Beautiful. Uh, Brad? Well, uh, for Splashdown, we open up with a beautiful glistening pool water scene uh, from the Wellsville Munis Municipal Pool as uh, Big Pete is narrating about his new summer job as a lifeguard and his duty to um, essentially ensure everything goes smoothly and how he has to deal with uh, <laughs> essentially some opposition in uh, achieving his, his goals as like senior lifeguard uh, while his, his superior is mentoring him. Um, we, we get a little bit glimpse of like the kinds of things Big Pete does here uh, involving like, you know, the big suck, which is like cleaning the pool and then just watching out for making sure everyone's all right. And then, um, when we get to the main part of the episode, uh, Pete goes into more detail about how 
how essentially him and little Pete are on opposite sides of like this whole adult swim debacle where big Pete has to ensure that the adults have their time to swim and not be bothered by the kids. And the kids have to swim at their own designated times. But of course, because they're kids and they're more spontaneous, they're, they're rebelling against this, particularly little Pete, who seems to be the, the representative of all the kids who are in disagreement of these, these rules at the municipal pool. Um, as a side plot, we also get to hear about this kind of mysterious menace that's lurking about called simply known as the urinator, who is um, essentially leaving wee wee in the pool and warm spots everywhere that force everyone to scatter like uh, fireflies from a bug zapper. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's quite a lingering threat. And that's just one more thing on uh, Big Pete's plate that he has to... Um, essentially usurp in order to rise to his senior lifeguard status uh, and also sit on that very cushy uh, Hydro Thruster 2000 Krebstar uh, lifting chair that overlooks the entire pool. So, you know, it, it's, it's one of those cases in season three where Big P is kind of dealing with his responsibilities as a getting older as an adult and also noticing girls more because he's trying to impress this this girl at the pool who's catching his attention that's swimming around. Um, but at the same time, he's still trying to remember his childhood innocence without it letting get too out of control, which little Pete tends to represent. And, uh, you know, we see him wrestle with that internally where he's, he tries to be on little Pete's side, but he also has to like go against him for the sake of succeeding with his goals. And it's, it's, it's a little dark that he has to resort to uh, tactics such as, uh, putting a tape recorder of Mr. Tasty's ice cream truck uh, on a golden retriever and let it run wild <laughs> to like act as a diversion. But, you know, this is hardball. Pete really wants to uh, see what it's like to be at the top for once and have all the power in, in the, this community space. Uh, so, you know, the tension rises between him and his little brother as a result with each uh, act that escalates. You know, you have him uh, pretending to be Mrs. Blowtard in the pool to try and like fake being an adult in order to get into adult swim and also riding a jet ski around the pool uh, just to cause some commotion and waves. And it really comes down to the end where Big Pete has to decide what does he want more? Does he want success or does he want to like still be an ally to his brother and more importantly, a friend? Because this show is about that that bond of friendship that they shared, no matter what kind of highs and lows they've endured throughout the series. And in the end, it comes down to little Pete, you know, clearing a, a strike of defiance with his atomic cannonball splashing into uh, the pool minutes or less than a minute before adult swim is over um, just to kind of shatter that. And, you know, ultimately big Pete gives in. He, he can't do it. It's not, Somehow it's intrinsically not worth the price to him to give up his sense of like camaraderie that he has with, you know, his little brother and even by extension, other kids of Wellsville just for the sake of, you know, a cushy chair and some coffee. Uh, so when he dives in and decides to join his side again, everything kind of loosens up and the adults join the kids and they all have a bunch of fun and the rules just seem to magically dissolve into the water along with 
you know, with all the tension on this beautiful summer day. And with the help of Monica's Swifty scout work, she uncovers the urinator with a giant tub of wee-wee seed to be none other than, dun-dun-dun, Matt Uplinger, <laughs> the lifeguard who's been actually training and overseeing Big Pete. So with that triumphant defeat, uh, essentially we've got rid of the, the tyranny of adult responsibility and the spontaneity of childhood back into the public pool where everyone can enjoy it. And we essentially bookend the episode with the way we open it, except this time there's a pool full of happy people playing around, enjoying summer to the fullest. Mm, love that last shot. Me too. Also <laughs> a rare instance where uh, Polaris plays the monsters loose in uh, Pete and Pete. Oh my gosh. What a tune. Yeah. I love it. It goes on. <laughs> it's one of their longer songs too on the album. If I yeah. Remember. There's like that, there's that, uh, there's that pause. There's like a, a minute without music and then it kind of drifts back. And I actually used to kind of have to edit my mixes. I would chop off the end of the song because it would, it would just go too long. All right. Uh, so I would like to hear maybe going back to Alex, I would like to hear maybe what you think, like the strength more than, you know, uh, Brett's episode. What do you think the strength of your is, episode is over his uh, or your story, I guess I should say. Uh, so two things in particular. One, I love the mystery of this episode. Uh, Pete and Pete doesn't really do a lot of mystery episodes. I mean, you have the phone episode where it just keeps ringing, but um, nobody knows who Mr. Tasty is. And that's really intriguing. And not only do we not know who he is, why are the ice cream men so afraid to befriend children? And the other thing I really like about this episode is it's really centered around having a heart for somebody else because they're very very caring about somebody who just seems to be lonely and then once that person goes missing they want to go above and beyond just to find him and so they can one be there for him and two to get their summer back but that's secondary primary is they're worried about him and that's not really something we see a lot in pete and pete we usually see a lot of rivalry or a lot of just absurdity. It's rare we see a whole episode dedicated to the well-being of somebody else. Brett, what do you what do you think as far as Splashdown goes? I think it's a very clear-cut storyline, and I like how it makes allusions to what we did on our summer vacation with Pete opening up on the front of the car like he did, but just much mm -hmm. older. Um, and also with the little Mr. Tasty prank going on. I think Splashdown's strength lies in a more fleshed out, focused story, uh, complete with an actual villain. I don't know if we really have a clear villain in what we did on our summer vacation, except maybe Mrs. Blotard, but she doesn't seem that threatening. She just seems like a kind of a passerby that's interesting to, to look at for a moment. Uh, Matt Uplinger, I think, is very imposing as a lifeguard and is constantly both somehow stringing Big Pete along, but also pushing him away from keeping him from his goals, particularly like the moments where Big Pete has to like use the big suck pool vacuum uh, on the pool at night. And just as he happens to see, you know, the the girl of his interest taking a night swim and he he sees an opening to like get to know her better. Of course, he's flanked by Matt Uplinger, of course, is taking a night swim as well. We don't even know if it's his girlfriend or if he has an interest in her too. But it's like, ooh, this is a guy you really want to love to hate and somehow make sure he gets his comeuppance at the end. And to really see that come home with the reveal of the urinator's true identity, it's it's very powerful and satisfying in that sense. Um, I also think that the the I, I mean. 
kind of obviously it goes without saying, but the, the pool segments in Splashdown are much stronger than what we did on our summer vacation. I know there's a, there's a few moments where like, it's, it's funny how they echo each other in a sense or refer to each other because little Pete and big Pete were also at this pool, but this time the lifeguard is Den Cleary and, I don't really understand Little Pete's true motives for defying him in this special, but uh, we do get to see him like jump off the board like over 269 times and, you know, eating his hamburger underwater just to like piss the lifeguard off for whatever reason. I guess it's on his bucket list to do before summer's over. Um, I, I really do like the shots of the pool here, but I don't think Den Cleary is as nearly charismatic nor villainous as uh, Matt Uplinger. So I'd have to say the, the focus and the strength lies in not only the clarity of the story and how the pacing moves along for the plot, but also the satisfying ending that everything's kind of wrapped up in a bow. And Big Pete remembers that what's truly important in life is his family and you know his brother and also by extension just having fun versus being too focused on his goals on his journey to the top. Uh, in each of your episodes, what would you guys say is you think the strongest scene? Like, what is the strongest moment Ooh. of your respective episode? For when what we did on our summer vacation, it's easily the ending scene with Mr. Tasty mm-hmm. and uh, the brothers Pete and Ellen uh, to see that he's still there and they're very elated that he's okay. And then he's taken his guard down and he's very welcoming of them. And he's very touched by the fact that they've spent most of the, the second half of the summer trying to find him. And then he lets his guard down for a moment to just, okay, let's, let's do something together. And don't worry, I'll be back next summer. And then they're just, they're, they're proud of the fact that they were able to at least speak to him in some way. It's, it's not as powerful a moment as the Artie and little Pete goodbye, but I'd put it up there pretty high among some of the more touching moments. I would have to say little Pete's atomic cannonball. I mean, <laughs> I, I would even argue that what he started and what we did on our summer vacation finally came to a head in Splashtown, where he finally just did that big blow you out of the water moment where it's like a middle finger to the establishment and say, I don't care about your rules. I want to do what I want to do. And everyone's, Everyone who believes in what I believe in is going to follow suit. And sure enough, you know, Big Pete was able to cave in and join in on that. And it just had a ripple effect, uh, pun intended, to just encourage everyone else to dive in there, too. And I really I really enjoy that just sense of sticking it to the man to just enjoy having fun. I mean, it's summer. That's what you do. Why do you have to follow rules when it's like 100 degrees out? (laughs) Uh, Well, would you guys want to move to main characters, maybe? Sure. Uh, for Pete and Pete, <laughs> uh, Big Pete mostly serves as the narrator. Uh, there's a few times when Little Pete does, but most of the time it's Big Pete. And uh, I love that he was directly involved alongside Little Pete for a big chunk of this episode. Because uh, a lot of times there's there's the subplot with Big Pete and the subplot with Little Pete. And then he just, here's what I'm going through. Oh, by the way, Little Pete did this thing. Uh, for And that's about where it started. And then once Mr. Tasty came into the fold, that's when their path started across. And um, that's also a big reason why you see Little Pete in the back. Uh, at least that's my takeaway for it. Uh, Little Pete has got some pretty awesome moments in this one. Uh, especially the swimming pool scene. And to address what uh, 
Brett was talking about with the swim pool, the reason I think that he was throwing down against the lifeguard was the lifeguard was already throwing shots. Uh, he was using the diving board as his means to survey the area looking for Mr. Tasty. And that's when the lifeguard was, what are you doing? Get down, stop that. So he said, okay, you'll be sorry. And then just decides to do like a child would do the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over just to get on your nerves. And then we'll go and break the rules just to the point where he breaks. So he'll leave little Pete alone. So he can go back to surveying. Do you know what that reminds me of, Alex? What's that? It reminds me of this moment that is very iconic for me um, from a Simpsons episode from season two called Brush With Greatness, where Homer is resisting all urge to take Bart and Lisa to Mount Splashmore because Krusty influenced them to take them there. And they're just like constantly, can you take me to Mount Splashmore? Can you take me to Mount Splashmore? Can you take me to Mount Splashmore? And it goes on and on and on. You see like Homer's different phases of dealing with it. And he's like, no, 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 no. All right. And then he finally gives in. Will you take it to Mount Splashmore? 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 If I take you, will you two shut up and quit bugging me? Yeah, of course. Well, Will you take the Mount Splashmore? Yes! Thanks, Dad. So I guess repetition is definitely a tool of uh, a child to get their way when they feel like uh, adults are pushing back. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and uh, and like I said, with both uh, Little Pete and Big Pete working together, uh, it reminds me also of Halloween-y uh, in, in a sense as well, mm-hmm. from where the two would uh, be a team uh, to achieve the same goal. Uh, and... Um, uh, with also bringing in Ellen, because I don't really see a whole lot of times when you get all three of them together to make the same goal. Uh, usually it's it's the two of them or the other two of them to do the same thing with one of the, the three off doing their own. So it's it's a cool Three Musketeers moment uh, where you actually see the three main characters bonding together. And uh, while Artie doesn't have uh, one of the bigger roles he's very much the supporting this time around uh not not there alongside little pete all the way but it's very much a three musketeers episode well (laughs) i mean with a with a pool as big as this that you see in my episode there's bound to be many characters occupying it and we definitely have a lot of people not only just extras but like uh a few other citizens of wellsville as well but we'll we'll get to their next category Mm -hmm. i'll focus on essentially big pete because this is his story and his rival rivalry with little Pete, uh, which I find him experiencing more and more, particularly in season three, as you know, they get older and they start to deal with different things because Pete's still kind of in that childlike mindset of, Oh, let's have fun. We got to do all these things. And then big Pete's like, well, I don't have time for that anymore. I still have to like learn all these different responsibilities and prepare for college and think about girls. So there's, there's a lot more things going on in his mind than just having fun. And, uh, I think, you know, in, in addition to just having two opposites kind of butt heads uh, on who's right in terms of like how the pool should be governed. Uh, we also get a few good supporting roles in here as well. We have obviously Matt Uplinger, who's the lifeguard slash urinator slash villain of the episode, who's just very 
poignant. He has he has a similar feeling to like pit stain to me, but he's got something more detestable about him. I can't quite put my finger on it. Like pit stain at least seems like slightly sympathetic with his backstory that we learn about in like the last laugh. But here it's like I don't have any reason to sympathize with the lifeguard, especially if he's enforcing all these rules that I don't like. Um, which I guess makes him a more powerful villain. But we also have more of the family involved too. We have uh, Joyce and Don Wrigley who are swimming in the pool during Adult Swim and they're trying to help you know, Big Pete kind of think clearly because they don't want to see this divide at the swimming pool be taken home as well and create a rift between family members because we know a house divided cannot stand. Uh, so I like how they're acting as a supporting role and a conscious for them as they're wrestling with these issues. We also have Little Pete's friends, uh, Monica, Wayne, and Nona getting in on the action and kind of serve as um, Little Pete's lackeys or, or minions if you have it, where they just kind of come in and say a few witty quotes um and also just kind of help help rabble rouse to like get rid of adult swim at all costs we also have uh ellen who's actually taking more of a backseat of role this time around we just see her kind of lounging around and adding her two cents here and there which is a little bit disappointing to me but i'm glad she's still there engaging in the conversation because i don't think it would be as important of an episode or at least as natural feeling if she wasn't there beside Big Pete to kind of talk through the issues as they usually do um, that he's wrestling with. And I think other than that, we get a cameo from Mr. Tasty of all people really briefly. Uh, that's, that's about it for the main characters. All right. Main characters. Uh, but the real juice of, uh, I think, Pete and Pete re- resides in the citizens of Wellsville. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. I just love the people of Wellsville. Uh, so... Each of your episodes have some, you know, some some strange Wellsvillians uh, pop up. Uh, tell me why your episode uh, has the stronger case as far as uh, the people of Wellsville. Uh, so I considered the parents also to be quote unquote citizens of Wellsville, citizens mm-hmm. of Wellsville, since they weren't really the main three. Right. Uh, so the reason I liked this episode also is because you get a bit of additional information of some of the major characters uh which i forgot to mention the last one this is the first time you see that little pete has a second tattoo uh because he (laughs) had that one on his back which we didn't know about till this episode but you also get to hear about how uh the mom and dad met and uh through using a metal detector at a beach which i thought was was really fun um correct me if i'm mistaken but i don't really remember especially when this episode came out a lot of people using the term sweet as something that's cool Does it, i i don't know i i don't I, remember people using that at that time yeah i did notice that when Artie said it and i'm like huh i didn't yeah. realize that was a thing back then because <laughs> Artie had said it uh, when he was at the swimming pool being the the new lifeguard twirling the whistle around his neck and then he was giving an, an affirmative oh sweet like <laughs> wait a minute are you the first one that i can think of in pop culture that used that term in this capacity so I, I just thought it was i just thought it was a, a coincidence i thought it was pretty cool the new lifeguard didn't seem to mind how's the weather up there my little viking sweet 
but uh, the other characters that you've got, uh, of course, is Mr. Tasty. He's the big one for this episode, uh, which we've already touched on for the, the main story. So I'm not going to elaborate anymore on him. But uh, we did get to see one of Little Pete's friends who we don't really get to see very often is Mort uh, from where they were sliding down the hill. And uh, there's not a whole lot uh, interesting about his character. He's just he's just there, uh, as well as a lot of the other kid characters. They're they're just there, which I think is kind of fun that the, the, the kids are usually the more subdued ones and the adults are the really ridiculous and over the top ones. Uh, Mrs. Blotard. Uh, was there doing the battling uh, the dad over who gets which side of the yard of the the fence to mow the yard with. And she was trying to attack him with the weed eater and he's attacking her with the giant uh, shears. And um, we also had Miss Vendivere, who is the (laughs) blind millionaire and knows has some kind of history with Mr. Tasty, but we don't quite know what it is. But she, Mr. Tasty, knew her better than anyone, than anyone. And when he goes off, uh, disappeared, well, then she loses her mind. He said, I had the bluest eyes. And uh, she, she was. I'd like chaotic. to think they had a romantic encounter over a blue. I do too. <laughs> I like to think that too. Uh, lifeguard Dan Cleary, uh, obviously not nearly as villainous as the one that we see in Splashdown, but again, I don't really think this episode needs, uh, a main antagonist because then the episode would get too muddled. Um, I just like the idea of there just being a jerk lifeguard and then little Pete's like, okay, well, I'm going to show my rear since you're showing yours, but, uh, he was very much just over the top. Uh, not necessarily angry, but very full of himself. He was very chiseled and was all about wanting to flex his muscles constantly and look good. And then he was just desperate and was like, please, please, Big Pete, please make him stop. And Big Pete's like, okay, fine, I'll make him stop. But he doesn't. They both end up jumping in and he's just done and he quits. And that's when Artie took over. And uh, the other uh, big uh, supporting citizen of wellsville is when mr tasty is gone you get captain scrummy which was a guest appearance from the lead singer of uh, reo but uh, he was very at one point his eyebrow is twitching so much because he's trying to keep that fake smile which i i watched it a couple of times just to watch that eyebrow twitch but <laughs> i could feel it through yeah. the tv yeah <laughs> it felt like maybe michael stipe was on some type of uh, substances <laughs> while filming this. And, what and are love, really in those sludgeicle bars? <laughs> and I love that every time he referred to Mr. Tasty, he did he did like this triangle shape over his head. Oh yes, well, some kids tried to get too close to Mr. Tasty, and <laughs> now he's gone. And he had that kind of delivery, that deadpan delivery. Oh, you look like a fudgeicle kind of guy. <laughs> but his he had this really uncomfortable facial expressions and was really wooden which fit because uh, especially whenever they were talking about why can't why can't we do these things what i i was just trying to be friends with them don't you know what you're doing and i thought that was really cool to come from the perspective of somebody else who's again very 
unusual. Yeah. Uh, not to say that none of the other characters are unusual, but his was teetering on like stranger danger. Whereas uh, Mr. Tasty was very much just, I want to be your friend. And I think uh, it's, it's fun to see that dynamic of the two. Yeah. But that's uh, that's pretty much this, the, the Wellsville citizens for my episode. Yeah. So uh, Brett, tell us about uh, the people of Wellsville and Splashdown. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a hard sell. I'm not going to lie because what makes up four in distinct identities makes up four in sheer volume. Like right. there's literally hundreds of people in the pool. You can't even see them all. And if we had the season three DVDs, I could pick them out individually, but because I'm watching bootleg copies that were recorded from the end, like decades ago, it's a little bit hard to make out most people in the pool aside from like Miss Blotard who gets not only a recurring role from Alex's episode, but also like a little bit of spotlight with like little Pete disguising himself as her to get into adult swim. Um, a great, a great moment. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's unusual. And it, it really makes you think how powerful is that vacuum? Like if you just <laughs> let it go everywhere, what, what would like get sucked into its tube? Like, <laughs> I don't know who else I can really point out that I didn't already cover under the main characters. Of course you have, you know, the, the brothers, Pete's family there, you have Ellen, you have little Pete's three friends, you have the villain, uh, you have, uh, I don't know what her name was specifically. Uh, my girlfriend told me she was from step by step, apparently, uh, big Pete's love interest. She was always there as like, uh, Hey, you want to come over here? <laughs> and then of course, Monica would like, I don't even know how, how, how to, to describe it. So, um, the, the, it deflated the tension whenever Monica would show up and say, oh, all good here. No warm spots around here when like he's having an intimate conversation with this love interest. And then immediately she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then just promptly swims away and Pete's yeah. left there stewing in his own remorse. <laughs> I, I think it's Linda, right? Is her name hmm. Linda? Maybe? That's it, Linda. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there, there's a few like noteworthy uh, Citizen Wells is here, but really it just feels like the whole neighborhood is in this pool, which I really like in terms of getting a sense of the breadth and the, the community that's going on on this particular summer day. Uh, which which community member in each of your episodes makes you think the le most lasting impression? The one mm. you think about? Mr. Tasty. Yeah. Easy. Mr. Tasty. I feel like that's a given with yours. It um, is. It, it is. That's that's a that's a hand me down. That's a yeah. that's a given. Yeah, I feel like it's a tie between uh, lifeguard Matt Uplinger and Little P. I found their opposition really powerful, and I really mm -hmm. love that "Viva la Revolution" uh, sense of rebelliousness that Little P embodied with his atomic cannonball and just like trying everything possible to to bust through these these tight restrictions that are preventing him from having fun and enjoying summer. I guess it's like, I, I think it's taking place at the beginning of summer because they mentioned like if big Pete docks him one more time, then he's, he can't go in the pool anymore. And that, I guess that really hammers in the, the sense of gravitas that his consequences and the risks that he's taking have. Like if you love being in the water, if you love cooling off on really hot days in July and you're not able to do that, that's, that's pretty heavy. But because he's willing to risk that for the sake of, you know, his fellow friends freedom, I think he's, he's quite the hero in his, in this moment. It might be one of his defining moments in the series. Up, Uplinger is a good choice too. 
uh, one of my all-time favorite lines, thank you, Mr. Java, for being so good to me. Exactly. With the, <laughs> the Krebin Nuts uh, coffee mug. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Java, for being so good to me as I drink from my mug. <laughs> yeah. All right. Perfect. Um, well, this is a big category coming up here. Uh, use of summer theme. Uh, which episode do you think really nailed you at the at the start here? You guys kind of hit on the fact that like summer vacation is a bit more about like the, you know, the tragedy of the end of summer where Splashdown is a little bit more about the hope of the start of summer. Mm -hmm. um, so each are kind of in this different frame. But which which do you think uh, hits it better? The theme of it? what we did on our summer vacation hits it better because it encompasses not just one facet of summer, whereas Splashdown is just mostly about swimming. Um, this one starts at the end of summer and then goes back to the very beginning and just hanging out with friends, doing some fun activities outdoors, uh, talking about the different signs of summer with the, the shadows getting longer, the electricity getting louder, uh, Artie's getting a, uh, starting his annual battle with the bees and neighbors arguing over the, the lawn. And of course you see little uh, Big Pete having to mow the lawn and uh, the ice cream man showing up and how the ice cream man is the embodiment of uh, summer because that's you know summer is here when Mr. Tasty is here and then once he's gone you're missing something uh, and also going to the beach and going swimming it has all the main activities that you would see that take place all through the summer and uh, with all these major activities taking place I feel that it has a better grasp on the entirety of summer and then the ending of summer of well, it's been a good summer. I'm glad this has been a good time. I'm glad Mr. Tasty is okay. I'm looking forward to next year. I think like I've mentioned before in previous categories, mine is more of a, a focus, focused episode instead of a series of vignettes where instead of encompassing all different little aspects of summer, it really hones in on this one, which is, as Alex said, swimming. Uh, but I think pools and water, you know, dealing with water as a means of relaxation is a big part of summer of itself. I personally have a lot of fond memories uh, in my parents' backyard pool growing up as a kid and even going to a public pool in Wallingford, Connecticut when I was a kid with my grandparents and really enjoying the experience of just being a wide open body of water without the fear of something killing me under that's lurking underneath. <laughs> At least as far as I, I'm aware, you know, I checked all those pools and I'm pretty sure there's no dead man's float zombies lurking in the deep end. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think, I think the use of summer, you don't necessarily have to touch on every single aspect in order to get a sense for it. And I think what I like most about splash sound is how it, it condenses everything into one big moment where you get the ambience of summer, you get the, the hot heat that's constantly beating down on everyone, the warm filter that's kind of playing over, over the episode. You know, there's many shots where you see kids like playing in the pool, um, Nona in particular is like banging on the, on the inflatable hippo that she's on to give a sense like, oh, why can't this last a little bit longer? I want to be in the pool longer because, you know, it's, it's a place of relaxation. And I remember when I, I used to like get done with like mowing the lawn during the summer or doing chores, I would just immediately want to jump in the pool and forget that time existed. 
Um, and we even get to see that illustrated with, uh, you know, the picture of the Krebs Star watch being shown up close and seeing different aspects of the pool uh, where like people are synchronized swimming, people are chatting it up, lounging by the pool. So you really do get a more fuller sense of what it's like to be in this environment during summer on any given day uh, without necessarily doing like a travel log where you go into the beach one day and then the pool the next and then the ice cream man the day after that. Um, and I think that's where its strengths lie. Uh, it's, it may not be as many memories, but it's definitely a more mi vivid memory, both for me personally and for viewers who may identify with enjoyment of being in the pool to cool off. Man, yes. I mean, two very, two very different. They're just so different in their approaches, but they both nail summer so yep. perfectly. Um, judging this is... Uh, Oh well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no pressure. I, I already know. I already know this from Big Orange Couch. I mean, being the judge is like it's the easiest job. It's the easier job of the three, but it's also <laughs> like at the end, you're like, man, I don't, I don't want to have to. Yeah, I, I mean, I felt that way when I judged for your podcast, Joey, when yeah. we did Dark Music versus Station One Hundred Nine Point One. I know like, it's right. It's there's it's so many good things feeling. that pop up, <laughs> yeah. and you yeah. don't want someone to be like, "Oh, yeah. your episode sucks." <laughs> yeah, ne no, neither of these episodes suck. No. And oh no, the, they're both very good. Both are yeah. the arguments are really good. So now I'm just like, oh man, all right. But we we have uh, one more uh, category, and it is the, you know, it's the big one. I, I'd say, you know what? Like at the start, I was like, I don't want to hear any negatives, but maybe maybe we should if you have any. Uh, why is your episode better? you know sling sling mud if you want um uh, alex why why is summer vacation uh superior to splashdown well while splashdown is a lot about a feud this is about the brothers and ellen all about putting themselves aside to do something for someone uh and where splashdown was more about little pete wanting to stand up for the kids swim whereas big pete was not, not so much it was you know put you in your place and uh this episode was very very much about camaraderie uh mr tasty clearly has to care for kids and likes to make them happy but has no one special in this life that we can tell and it really touches on adult and child friendships uh, which do exist and they are perfectly okay there's nothing creepy about them uh and and the reason i emphasize that is because i teach kids and i've gotten very close with them and it's it's almost a taboo topic uh to see parents or adults and kids be friends and that's because people will want to read between the lines and think there's something there when there isn't there which is what i get from mr tasty and from the from uh the the other ice cream man whenever kids are trying to get close to the ice cream man and they're no 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 no, no. that's that's just going to stir up a lot of trouble right. where there is no trouble and and it was just alluded to it, it was never explicit but that was just my my interpretation of that and um uh, i love that this is an iconic episode uh splashdown is a great episode but it's not iconic uh there are a few visuals that are fantastic but you think of this episode you see the the poop white poop emoji you know exactly what the, what what's coming uh you've got a lot of classic characters 
with a lot of special moments and you get to learn more about them. Like I said, with uh, Pete, with his cool tattoo that we never, never really get to see, get some backstory on the parents and how they met. And you got some crazy moments like finding the, the car dug underneath <laughs> the sand, yes. which is just completely absurd, but it's yeah. fun. Right. Uh, and, and you don't really get those crazy moments whenever you have a more fleshed out uh, story that uh, this gives you room to breathe, just to do something fun. Uh, and especially when it's so early in the series and still finding its identity. And um, I love that uh, at, at the end, it's still not clear who Mr. Tasty is. It's left ambiguous. It's one of the few mysteries that are never really solved. And also uh, we have, like I said, the elements of summer. It takes place over the course of summer, not just one isolated incident, which we've already touched on, so I won't go further into that. And also, again, the character is super iconic. He is the only character who's got his own little figure. And uh, I knew the, you were uh, going to bring that. <laughs> and and uh, this was episode was put on the first VHS that the, the Pete and Pete released. Splashdown never got a VHS release. <laughs> And um, this usually is one of those iconic images that when people think Pete and Pete, this is one of the first episodes that they think of. And uh, not to mention that the advertisements were fantastic for this because I still remembered that one commercial where they were talking about Mr. Tasty being gone. And then they cut to that one shot of <laughs> little Pete with the camera slowly pulling away and that reverb with that side tasty. <laughs> and then cutting to you don't make sure you don't mess up this episode or else. And then it's little Pete on top of the, the diving board. You'll be sorry. <laughs> Watch what Pete and Pete did on their summer vacation or... You'll be sorry! A half-hour special adventure today at 6.35.30 Central on Nickelodeon. Uh, I don't remember anything about Splashdown for an advertisement, if they did one. Uh, I'm sure they probably did because they had one for every episode whenever it would come out. But this one is just so memorable as a whole and stuck with the fan base probably because of its imagery and the fact that it's the ice cream man and everybody chases down the ice cream man and he drives like four more blocks and we all keep chasing after him. It's, it's just a solid episode. And I think it's one of the more memorable ones just for the pure imagery of Tister Maisty. Yeah. Yes. I said okay. that backwards. I'm always doing it. <laughs> uh, Brett, what, why is Splashdown uh, better than, what we did on our summer vacation. <sighs> oh, that's a long pause. <laughs> no, I have a lot of collected thoughts for this okay. because okay. Alex is pulling out all the stops. It's like, oh, what episode's better? Like, Tale of the Midnight Madness or Tale of Laughing in the Dark if we're making an Are You Afraid of the Dark comparison. Obviously, yeah. everyone's going to say Zebo because that's what they remember the most. And they're not even going to give it a second thought. And naturally, That's the I, right answer, though, Brett. But no, you shouldn't want to go with the crowd. You got to think independently. <laughs> it's, about, it's about the sense of rebelliousness and relatability and just being able to find that happy medium of yes, you're going through growing pains and you're maturing with Pete, but you also shouldn't remember your roots. And I think while what we did on our summer vacation is undoubtedly the more nostalgic episode of Pete, Pete especially since it came earlier. So it has more time to marinate in people's 
minds. Uh, I would say splash on is the more poignant one. Like it hits harder when you see it. And granted, it doesn't have its own DVD release, you know, unfortunately, because it's hiding somewhere in a warehouse in New Jersey. <laughs> but even if you make the effort to search it out on like YouTube or Daily Motion or wherever you can find it, secondhand, thirdhand, whatever. Um, I think it's still just as important, if not one of the best episodes of season three, because it really does like hit the relatability home, especially when you're older, you can, you can feel a lot of what Pete's big Pete's feeling with like trying to deal with this responsibility, especially when you're like getting jobs and you have to like do all these things you don't want to do, but you know, if you do these things, it'll eventually lead to somewhere you want to be. So you can say that you're like impressing all your colleagues, um, I relate a lot to that, particularly with like my goal setting. I tend to be ambitious. I tend to be a perfectionist. I tend to be like very driven and, you know, essentially big Pete's story is my story where I have to deal with managing all these things. And I'm the bad guy just because I'm in this position of title, but really I'm just trying to make something work for me so that I can get ahead in life. But I think, I think it's an important life lesson more so than digging up a 1977 Cutlass Supreme out of the sand and driving it home is that, you know, don't forget your roots. It's important to be a child. You can, you can be an adult. You can get through adult living with all of its responsibilities, with all these tasks, challenges, uh, frustrations even. But there's still a part of you that just wants to have fun. There's a part of you that wants to be free and full of whimsy and just forget about all your cares. And I feel like when you go into that pool, as we've seen Big P illustrate, you just have all that wash away. And it, for once, it just makes you feel like a free adult that's remembering their childhood again. So in a weird backwards way, it does feel nostalgic, even if it doesn't have the marketing power to back it up. No pressure, Joey. <laughs> Two passionate, ple- uh, two passionate arguments. I love it. Okay, I'm actually going to start backwards, and maybe maybe this happened when you were on our verses, Brett. Um, but I actually am giving one category a tie. Yeah, which is it, it's not going to affect the, the 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 result here. Will not be a tie, but um, that was for which episode is better? Our last category. Um, I think uh, you both make compelling points. I think Brett has a point that there is some sort of nostalgic advantage. Uh, what we did on our summer vacation was one of the first specials released. It, you know, it's the one of the oldest living Pete and Pete things. Um, and so I think, you know, with the VHS release, uh, w- with that type of stuff, I think it's been kind of glorified. Uh, but it's still like it is iconic. Like you use that word. I mean, it, it has you said something for um, everyone. Uh, it, it gives us tasty um I think it does do a really good job with a kind of a touchy topic. Um, whereas uh, splashdown gives us that rebel rebelliousness. Um, I, I think it's definitively the best episode of uh, season three. I know people would debate mm. that, but um, I agree with that too. I agree. Um, yeah. I, is what, what's close. What, what else is close for you guys in season three? Uh, Last laugh. Uh, yeah. Trouble of Teddy. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, das bus. <laughs> those three. Oh, das bus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. No, it's I I agree whole hog on those. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so on that one, I just like I I was I was torn because I, I, when uh, Alex started talking, I was like, well, yeah, like for sure, this is this is the better episode. This is, you know, so so classic. Uh, but I think Brett has a strong point in the fact that there's a huge disadvantage to the fact that this episode has just never been released. It's you can't yeah. stream it, you can't buy it. 
Um, and so I think it's faded a little bit from memory. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to give a draw there. Um, going to story, I, uh, gave this category to summer vacation. Um, I prefer, uh, Pete and Pete episodes with what, um, Alex called the shared dilemma. Um, and I also think it's really cool that, uh, there's a mystery, um, that they're, that they're, that all three kids are trying to kind of solve together. Um, I love, I love any Nickelodeon story where it's like trying to look out for someone who's lonely. Mm-hmm. I think Andrew and I strongly have disagreed on this episode, but like the tale of apartment <laughs> 214, uh, I'm, I'm a real sucker for that one. Cause I, yes. just, I feel so terrible for that old lady. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I actually relate to that one because my grandmother is living her life right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I, I love the ending of uh, summer vacation so much. Um, mm. I think the themes of loneliness and friendship are really strong as Alex said. Um, obviously no hate towards splashdown. Um, I, the, it's, it's the more classic, I think, approach with Pete and Pete of the rest, you know, the, the relationship between brothers kind of, on different pages, but not wanting to be enemies. Um, I do agree with Brett that it was, it's a little cleaner, a little more fleshed out than um, summer vacation. Um, You mentioned there being a villain. Uh, Villains, something that I can kind of give and take in Pete and Pete, not totally always necessary for me. I would, I I would argue that like summer vacation, maybe there is a villain, which is, uh, you know, time. Scrummy. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. It's like, like scrummy. (laughs) Scrummy. <laughs> yes, uh, we never got that episode, but yes, uh, tasty versus scrummy for right? ter- <laughs> territorial controllables. <laughs> uh, I would have watched it. Um, all right, so story goes to uh, Alex in summer vacation. Uh, let's move on to uh, let's move on to who did summer better. Uh, for this one, I went with Brett and Splashdown. Um, I do agree. There's a bit more of like summer in summer vacation a lot more like references to different aspects of summer but for me i like the points that brett made that it 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 coincides in one big moment something that represents like a moment in summer an entire community um i do agree that the ambience feels really solid in this episode it feels warm those little shots in the pool of people doing what they're doing um I, I like the focus. Like to me, Splashdown is a very, very focused uh, summer episode. And I think that maybe Summer Vacation holds an advantage that the fact that the word summer is in its title. Um, but like to me, Summer Vacation is more about the journey and the mystery uh, than it is necessarily just about summer. Um, but uh, I could also be wrong. But uh, I, yeah, so I'm going, I'm going summer. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going Splashdown for who does summer better. All right. Uh, so it is one and a half to one and a half uh, for, let's see, for main characters, I went with uh, Summer Vacation. Uh, Alex, I like the argument of the three musketeers working together. Um, they are like, it's a real team. Uh, again, I, I prefer these episodes of them, the main characters working together uh, rather than like there's something about, um, particularly in season three of Big Pete's teenage angst that um, I don't love. Um, I get it. It's realistic, like his lusting over girls and his want of power and a job. 
Um, I do like that they involve the family, as Brett said. Um, but I think overall, um, Summer Vacation is a better, gives us the better feel of the characters. Um, Ellen in particular is so crucial um, to what makes Pete and Pete work. And I think this episode really utilizes her well. Um, so main characters, I'm going with Summer Vacation, which leaves us with Wellsville. Um, and that I also went with Summer Vacation uh, with um, Alex. Uh, I do think that it, this was like quantity versus, well, it, it, it's just a, it's, it's a huge quantity issue. But I still think in Summer Vacation, um, the characters are crucial to like moving the story along. Like the people of Wellsville are kind of what make the story move. Uh, where really in Splashdown, it's just kind of the main characters, uh, Pete and Little Pete. There is some help, of course, uh, but um, like what is what is Summer Vacation if you don't have Tasty? Um, what is it if you don't have, have Miss Vandeveer, uh, you know, giving us a little history of like, oh my gosh, like Mr. Tasty's a real guy. Like he, you know, he had, he had this woman. Uh, it gives us, I love the backstory of mom and dad meeting. Um, I, I just, Captain Scrummy, I think like it's a, it's maybe the best example of Pete and Pete where the people of the city are helping the story resolve itself. Um, with like maybe uh, the call being close to it but um, I think another great summer episode Um, but yes I I, overall I just thought the people of Wellsville played such a crucial role in summer vacation Um, so it was on every category it was really close here but uh, and and oddly enough I uh, I like Splashdown a bit more than summer vacation personally Um, but I think with these categories, it just kind of broke, uh, summer vacations away. Oops. I should have planned this better. (laughs) And, and and the funny thing is, because we've, we've done two episode reviews or two episode battles and I was the judge for both of them and going into it, I had one episode. I clearly have a favor to, and neither times it won with the categories. I was like, okay, well just going on these categories, there is, there is a clear winner. That happens a lot for us too, where the, like whoever the judging will say like, oh, well, I definitely thought I was going for this, but yeah just i I think the categories really matter but uh you both did uh, i think you both highlighted what makes these two great great yeah they're both great episodes definitely and we keep getting more and more followers and listeners and pete and pete uh we especially have some who are late 90s and uh Mm -hmm. pete and pete the the whole franchise right now is still on youtube yeah. Uh, so if you've not seen these episodes, go check them out. They yeah. are fan freaking tastic. Yeah, definitely. And the quality is not too bad, which is nice. no, no, yeah. it's not. I've had those episodes where it's like, oh boy, this is an uphill battle, but it's it's a battle worth fighting. Splashdown is worth defending. And I do agree with what you had uh, said. Actually, I agree with everything that you said, Brett. Uh, which is I, I, weird to say, being on the other side of the fence on this episode, but I do really like your your point, and I do agree with your point about and. And I've always been very much about the underdog. And uh, I love that you had pointed out that even though this episode is iconic, your episode 
is just as important uh, and if not overlooked, which is a, yeah. a criminal thing for Pete and Pete. So totally. I, it, it, it deserves far more recognition than it gets. I feel like in terms of little like nuanced story bits, what we did on our summer vacation starts the conversation and Splashdown ends it because there's a lot of like Easter eggy type overlap going on here, like with the parallels of the Pete's at the pool and also the references to Mr. Tasty and even side characters like Miss Blowtard. It just kind of comes full circle where we have, you know, Splashdown's at the beginning of a summer, but later. And then what we did on our summer vacation at the end of the summer, but earlier. So it's like a weird like time paradox going on but it all like feels complete when you see both of these in the in the scope of the series and side yeah. note every single time i watch splash down i always think of the swimming scene on the sandlot oh really oh yeah 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 there, yeah there are some parallels there um I, one thing andrew and i have talked about before and i think is true here is and i think it's a slight advantage to summer vacation is that it, it's so early in the run that it, it um it forces us to get to know the characters in a, like a very intense way that Splashdown doesn't have to do. Like Splashdown, we know them, you know, even Mr. Tasty, write the song on the dog. Like we know what that is because uh, Summer Vacation built the, built the foundation. So um, there's like a little advantage in just the fact that it aired earlier and that they had to kind of teach us about these characters. Yeah. Right. It, it makes me wonder how different the PNP universe would be if they swapped places in, in the chronology. Like if we didn't mm. meet tasty and we only got a hint of him at the right. beginning until season three, when he shows up in an ice cream truck. Right. Um, again, I don't know why I constantly make Are You Afraid of the Dark references on this podcast, but it makes <laughs> me think, well, what if Zebo wasn't episode two where everyone had a chance to be terrified by him and have him as the all <laughs> almighty Are You Afraid of the Dark God in their head instead of like Ghastly Grinner or the Night Shift Vampire or, you know, the Quicksilver Demon, anything you could think of that's also a formidable villain. But it's not about it's not about Zebo. It's, it's about it's, the idea of him. <laughs> well, yes, the idea is what's so good, but also the the episode's so good. I'm, I'm sorry, we're not here to talk about. <laughs> we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to make a, are you, I mean, a laughing in the dark focused episode to have you back on for that. Yeah, I I love laughing in the dark, but uh, okay, cool. Well, um, I think that was a well fought battle, guys. Uh, thank you so much for participating, Alex, defending your title uh joey for judging that was a very fair intense battle so what for what we did on our summer vacation what do you guys want to give this for a rating i absolutely love this episode it is top tier uh pete and pete for me i give this triple s very appropriate especially because it's iconic joey what would you like to rate it so i'm i'm going maybe controversially with double s splat standing I, I think it's an incredible episode, but for me personally, it doesn't go in the like, it's not in my top 10 of Nickelodeon episodes or anything like that. So uh, it's not even my top 10 of uh, Pete. It's number 11, but it's uh, it's not my favorite uh, Pete and Pete. I can hear Andrew going boo in the background from here. <laughs> he's, uh, he's, he's, he's doing his patented... Uh... Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's disappointed in me for sure. Yeah, but you guys you gotta stay true to yourself, and I I'm with you on that. Um, I'm gonna give this an S, uh, splatterific. Uh, I would love to give this a higher rating, but personally, you know, I I try to view '90s Nickelodeon 
one step with nostalgia goggles, one step with nostalgia goggles removed and I was like how it holds up today. And as much as I love the nostalgic feelings of what we did on our summer vacation, it doesn't really feel like it, somehow the, the punch doesn't really hit hardest with me. I love Mr. Tasty. I love the feelings of summer of like getting ice cream. Um, but I don't really like, I, I like having deeper stories where we see characters really wrestle with internal conflict and the vignette thing really felt like the, the photo theme that was going on throughout the episode where, you know, Pete, uh, big P opens up with like showing different photos and using them as transitions to like different locations and moments of summer that they had, which, you know, is fine. I appreciate that. Um, I love reminiscing as much as the next guy, but it doesn't go deep enough for me. Uh, so I can't, I can't in good faith, give it a perfect rating, even though everyone in the comment section is like, boo, you suck. You should give it a triple S because it's Mr. <laughs> Tasty and that's all that matters. Um, but I, I can't, I got to stay true to my roots. Like Joey, um, I'm just going to give it an S I like Mr. Tasty, but I don't like beaches either. I don't like swimming in them. They're very salty. I don't like going to the beach. I don't like dealing with the sand. I like pools because they're clean. They're safe. You can see everything underwater and you can just zone out and play with pool toys and just relax, kick back and look at all the sights and sounds. Is it fair to say you beat up the ocean, Brett? I did beat up the ocean <laughs> and he never came back to my house again. <laughs> so yes, what we did on our summer vacation is S for me. Which is weird because it's still a high rating, but I I make it sound like I'm giving it a D. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's still above and beyond your typical Nickelodeon fare. It's just yeah. not absolute top tier Nickelodeon exactly. fare for you. Uh, yeah. For me, it it did hit that emotional uh, impact, especially with the being who I am, the fact that I teach kids and and that I I have that camaraderie with them and uh, that that taboo of you're an adult male and you have this relationship with kids. Yes, I do. And they're awesome. And I love them. And uh, so that, that that's a big reason why it hits so much with me. All right. Well, uh, for Splashdown, what do you guys want to rate it? And for that one, I give double S. Uh, it doesn't hit as much as, uh, as the summer vacation, but I still love this episode and it still goes above and beyond and is still very, very memorable for those who do take the time to go watch. And uh, it, it's the best episode of season three, which again, you and I agree with it's, it's a fantastic episode. And, and, and I love seeing the, the brothers uh, now that they're older arguing, fighting, uh, but still being true to themselves and, and not forgetting their, uh, their, camaraderie i guess you could say i i totally agree with that i'm i'm going double double s's here uh i also think splashdown is a double s it's by by the criteria of the rating system here i think it's the best episode of this season um i think last laugh is close trouble with teddy's close uh das mm. bus but um man it's just it's so it, it it nails that feeling of summer it's it's just like a totally pleasurable well-paced uh episode um and um yeah i, I think uh, as we've maybe stated pretty clearly at this point criminally underrated in the pantheon of pete and pete um so i love this episode and um it's not it's not the best of the series uh not my top five or anything like that but uh really really good Ooh, that leaves me in a tough spot because again <laughs> 
there might be haters who disagree with me in the comments because I'm tempted to give this a triple S uh, because of the personal connection with my memories of enjoying pools and also that stick it to the man mentality. I kind of want to bring it down to double S to be more fair and also agree with you guys. But you know so what? You're, you're going with a D. No, no, no. I'm going to give it a triple S because I want to stick it to the man. Sticking it to the man and swimming in pools are two things I care very deeply about. And my girlfriend definitely knows about that too. So I have to do it. It's my favorite episode of season three. And it was in my top three when you did your 200 episode yeah. special with Danny Temporelli, yeah. uh, Joey. So, you know, more than anything, this makes me think of summer. What we did on our summer vacation also makes me think of it. But this is like the first thought that just big open pool that I want to dive into and get lost in for the entire, the entire three months that we have, um, and just not come out until school starts. And just because it really made me more of a, a more approachable to water and considering how I actually got stung by jellyfish, um, when I was at the beach as a kid, I can't, I can't rate it the same or lower than what we did on our <laughs> summer vacation. Um, fun fact that Doug story I wrote for you, Joey, the yeah. ocean commotion one that yeah. was based on a real life event I had in third grade. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So there, there's the origin story of that, but, uh, yeah, triple S I'm doing it shamelessly. I don't care what you say. I don't care what the audience says. I love this episode. It's, it's like a teddy bear that I want to fall asleep in bed with. It's gotta be the greatest episode of television ever made regarding the evils of adult swim and that's yes something. yes yeah. yeah like i didn't i didn't even know that adults can control the pool in that way like usually you see pool rules for your safety not for like mind manipulation it's just it boggles my mind and frustrates me so much that i want to push back with like little pete and his friends do, uh, do the, as a result do your local pools enforce adult swim um not the one I used to go to in Wallingford, um, but I have heard of other pools in the area that have. So it's, I just think it's a very strange concept. There is a public pool here. Uh, there's, there's one that's just out in the community. And then there's one that's at the YMCA. YMCA does do an adult swim uh, and the public community pool does not. Okay. Okay. Yeah. The, the one by me does. And as as an adult, I'm embarrassed. I just like, I just feel bad for the kids. Yeah. Do you, <laughs> little do you Pete, feel like little, little Pete has infected me? I just, <sighs> I, mourn, I mourn for their lost time. I feel that. I feel that they, they have so little control over their lives when parents right. and teachers and authority figures are telling them what to do to show them the way. And it's like, why can't we just give them a few moments of spontaneity and joy? Like it's not asking for much. I don't think. But uh, Lil P definitely has a strong point. You know, you you can like control the beaches, you can control the streets, whatever, but you can't control the pool. This is our turf. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, before we dry off and head into our closing of the episode, we're gonna do a segment called "Say What." Say what? Say what? Say what? Say what? Um, so for say what the basic premise is Joey and Alex are going to guess who said these memorable quotes and it's going to be a mix of quotes from both episodes. So I'll tell you the quotes 
and then you'll have to guess who it is. And whoever guesses the most of them after the end of, uh, I think we got seven today, uh, wins bragging rights, I guess. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll send you some um, <laughs> Mr. Tasty and Captain Scrummy and Pete with a sludge sickle stickers. Oh, my <laughs> Lord. This, this is definitely like Andrew Strong Sue here. I am, I, yeah. am, I am not the trivia guy. But I'll try. I'll try my best here. Channel Andrew's energy. <laughs> oh, I'm very chill and I'm very hairy now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were we were surprised when we saw him for our holiday episode. Uh, oh, me too, man. <laughs> I guess he got really comfortable with us. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I we haven't seen each other all that much because of the pandemic, but like, uh, yeah. When I saw him, I'm like, holy cow! Like, it's like Harry and the Hendersons over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I hope he got a shaving kit for Christmas. But, oh, no, he's uh, still I think going. He still looks great. He's, he's still going. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just like next time we see him on our podcast, he's got like a full grown Rip Van Winkle beard, <laughs> setting a Guinness World Record. Yeah, You're like Cousin It. <laughs> cousin oh, It. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but we're getting sidetracked here. Okay. Um, let, let's get going with Say What. Uh, so quote number one, uh, raise your hand. Well, you can't really do that, Joey, but um, yeah, raise your hand, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> say, say like a buzzing noise or right, go, like, yeah, I'll go. Zzz. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Both of you do. Zzz, okay. And then we'll see who gets in first. Okay. So quote number one, who said it? It's a flesh avalanche. <laughs> Joey. Is it little Pete? It is little Pete. Okay. He said that when, uh, admiring Miss <laughs> Blotard's arm flub, Oh, yeah. We just stare for hours at the hypnotic swaying motion of Mrs. Blotard's colossal arm flub. Look at that flub go. It's a flesh avalanche. That's right. That's very right. hypnotic. <laughs> or as Nutty Professor put it, jello arm syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, I mean, I loved that with my grandma when I was little. I would, yeah. I, I would purposely walk up to her and start like kind of poking at tap, it and tap, see tap. how yeah. many re- repetitions. But I was really cool. I would go blah 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 blah. Right? <laughs> Just like <laughs> now, as an adult, I'm like, oh man, my grandma was a person. And like, yeah, you can't get away with that. Like a cat batting a, a little like ball, uh, bell ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, my grandma had that too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, say what quote number two. Who said it? Thank you, Mr. Java, for being so good to me. <laughs> Joey. That's got to be Uplinger, Matt Uplinger. You got it, Matt Uplinger himself. He loves that Kreben Nuts coffee that he drinks every time he's up there. And <laughs> as a result, he didn't know where to go, so he went in the pool. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Mr. Java, for being so good to me. <laughs> Uh, quote number three, you look like a bona fide sludgesicle man. Alex. Captain Scrummy. That is right. Yeah. Michael Stipe himself. With that very, very forced smile that reminds me of Mo Sislak that one time he smiled. <laughs> you seem like a bona fide sludgesicle man. Uh, okay, so, so far we have two for Joey, one for Alex. Uh, quote number four, in this chlorinated wonderland, one person was in charge of preserving the peace. That person was me. Is that Joey? That was him. Okay. Oh, uh, Big Pete? That is Big Pete. That is his opening narration for Splashdown. Yeah. 
In this chlorinated wonderland, one person was in charge of preserving the peace. That person was me. Quote number five. Say your bee prayers, my puny <laughs> hybrid foe. Blink, blink, I say, you stinky bee. Alex. Oh, that was a tie. Uh, that would be Artie, strongest man in the world. Oh, that was good. Yeah, really good. Right on cue. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you got it. That's when he's like... Um, Sweet. He has that bee on his nose and he's climbing the water tower. <laughs> yes. yes. J.R.B. prayers, my puny hybrid foe. As he zeroed in for the kill. Ah, blink! Blink, I say, you stinky bee! Yes. I don't know how he kept his balance. I thought he was going to fall off with the way that was shot. <laughs> uh, quote number six. Because there are some things in life worth dying for, you used to know that. You used to care. So go ahead, destroy me. My splash will live on. Bzz. Joey. Little Pete. You got it. It is my favorite quote of the episode, maybe even of the season. It yeah. just feels very defiant and like, this is what I stand for. I'm not backing down. It's like, it reminds me of like that, that famous newsreel moment where the guy's standing up to the tank in Taiwan, <laughs> uh, if I remember correctly. It's just like, yeah, the, the yeah, little people versus the establishment. Yeah, Tiananmen Square. Yeah, it's it's a, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a wonderful moment. And uh, Pete and Pete does these so well, which is like just the the reminding of the adult, or you know, in this case, the teenager of like, mm-hmm. of what matters really. Yeah. Exactly, and he definitely holds on to his childhood innocence throughout the entire series, surprisingly well too, without Artie by his side in season three. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There are some things in life we're dying for. You used to know that. You used to care. So go ahead, destroy me. My splash will live on. All right, so um, final quote, and this is for the game. I am what summer is. Fireflies, thunderstorms, butt sweat on the car seat. And when it all goes, I have to go with it. Alex. Mr. Tasty. That is correct. <laughs> nice. I am what the summer is. Fireflies, thunderstorms, butt sweat on the car seat. And when it all goes, I have to go with it. Yeah, that is a very poetic line that he had. And I couldn't. <laughs> butt sweat, so poetic. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's butt sweat on the Hydro Thruster 2000, but it wasn't so like beautifully interwoven with all these other symbols of summer. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is a great line. Both both these have very poetic endings. Yes, um, but that that ending of summer vacation of them walking into the twilight in the rearview mirror. Oh, uh, yeah, that feels great. Boy, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah, it feels like I somehow lived through 1991. I think that's yeah, that's when it came out. Yeah, it feels yeah. like particularly late 80s, like that real sweet spot of like technology meeting nature in a in a weird sense and just like really down to earth hominess that you get from little interactions for sure yeah so uh that was say what and believe it or not joey won i think he had four points to three if my fingers are correct so uh congratulations joey (laughs) thank you thank you alex thank you for potentially letting me win thank you (laughs) (laughs) it seemed fair to me (laughs) oh no there was uh, only that first one i was like do you know this one do you know this one and the rest of you were you were it was an honest 
Yeah, in, in education, we call it wait time. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, um, that was that was pretty fun, and I'm glad we revisited that segment again uh, twice in a row, actually. Uh, we actually have a Mona's Mailbag segment before we go, though, because we have two letters that are worth sharing. And uh, I guess Mr. Tasty's going to read them for us. <laughs> Apparently, he sounds like Mr. Hanky. <laughs> okay, uh, Mr. Tasty, do you want to do you want to read? Mr. Tasty our... is not going to read that. Uh, okay. That will be a, a dishonor on you. It will it will sound like we're insulting our our, yeah. our listeners. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, I, I could attempt it, but I honestly don't want to do his character uh, dirty. So. Yeah, I'll, no, it, I'll, I'll, it would come off super rapey. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Joey, since you have the notes, would you like to read this one? Because it's actually from a shared friend of ours, Justin. Sure, yeah. Justin is uh, our old pal. Love Justin. He says, mm-hmm. hey, guys, in response to the episode question, which 90s Nick game show would we want? I'd say salute your shorts. You could have levels where stealth and survival are key evading ugh like in donkey lips and sponge way in <laughs> and sponge goes to the movies both great evading scenes uh one at one at the snack stand of course one mm-hmm. of the um puzzle solving levels like in the treasure of sarah madre and donkey lips crush on dina sports levels like toilet seat basketball telly in the tennis match and capture the flag trivia bonus rounds between levels from the radio calling contest Boss fights with Thud Mackey, Ellen, and Zeke the Plumber. Oh, yeah. An entire mm. spinoff game or mini game like Guitar Hero with Budnick where you get to play White Snake <laughs> or Metallica. What do you think, Justin? That'd be fun to do. If you did it like the um, – just because I never played it and outside of just watching the clips from uh, editing the episode together, but the, the Rugrats uh, Search for Reptar mm. where it's a, a free – uh, free roaming place and you'd go to the different essentially mini games uh, mm-hmm. that would be really fun to do uh, I think it would be hilarious if we did the Guitar Hero thing and we played the Rachel theme song right Rachel, Rachel! <laughs> just, just <laughs> one note Rachel I am two power chords and then you have someone on drums doing like (laughs) yeah it's brilliant great idea justin we love it so much we just need to find a programmer who's listening to either of our podcasts to team up with us so we can make it it's a great idea for sure yeah it actually reminds me a lot of this uh zebo's big house game that i've been wanting to make for a long long time Mm. ever since i saw the case in crimson clown yes um i'd imagine it would i don't know what your guys take would be on it which you're open to share with us but um i always imagine it to be kind of like a some sort of like a old-fashioned nes horror game similar to friday the 13th or even more like monkey island where you have to collect certain items to like solve puzzles and then when you finally meet up with zebo you have to like evade him and like put certain things in the way so that his nose is returned to him without losing your health as josh uh so i think there's a lot of potential to play with there and like the in the setting of the spook house and even at his house uh for like a quick little adventure game yeah see i i picture it more as like a dr chaos which was uh, a bit of a side scroller uh it, it was more side scroll than anything 
mm-hmm. but uh, that that came out on uh, NES, and I, I remember I was too terrified to play that darn thing. Uh, the the game started with the the this haunted house, and the windows would flash bright yellow in the windows, and you'd see little silhouettes of characters chasing by, and you'd have to go to different rooms, very much like Friday the Thirteenth, go into the different cabins, and then there's the monster, and it's got to chase you. Mm. But you still have to do side-scrolling missions and and adventure platforming, uh, in addition to the searching the rooms. Um, which was kind of like the main format for Goonies too, but uh, that would be a lot of fun to do. I, I totally vibe with that. Yeah. Those are all great ideas. I like the different interpretations, um, but we actually have another letter. Uh, this comes from our newest podcast fan, Matt Gordon, uh, who actually got our guess that artifact um, segment, correct. And he actually wrote this to me a little bit a while ago when we were talking and he said, thanks for the mug, Brett. That was super cool of you guys, and I'm looking forward to it. A couple of days ago, I watched your episode with Jim Jenkins about Doug's lucky hat. That's awesome you had him on. Doug is probably one of my favorite Nicktoons, and it was cool to hear some of his thoughts and stories. I really enjoyed the entire episode. I used to work on a show called VO Buzz Weekly, and one of the highlights for me was when I got to work with Billy West. I made sure to wear a Doug shirt that day. LOL. See attached photo. All the best, Matt. Um, and I'm actually going to share the screen real quick so you can see the photo that I was talking about. Hopefully, Joe, you can see it on your end despite not having video. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Matt's the one on the left with the yellow yeah. shirt with Doug on it. Yes. Wow. Just living the dream. Yeah. To be next to uh, a <laughs> Nickelodeon, um, Nickelodeon legend, it's, it's amazing. That's so um, cool. I actually had a chance to meet Billy West back in 2010 of all places at my college for an anime convention. Oh, wow. um, and he was like signing autographs in this uh, unused art room with like Christopher Sabat, who voices Piccolo from Dragon Ball Z and also uh, Steve Blum who does uh, Spike from Cowboy Bebop and Johnny Young Bosch, the black Power Ranger from season two of Power Rangers. And it was very, very surreal to like just see them in person in like a very normal non-convention looking setting. And uh, I, all I could think about in line was, oh, shoot, what am I, what am I going to have him sign? What am I going to have him sign? What am I going to have him sign? <laughs> Turned out, you know, a few hours before that, I was going to my buddy's dorm room with a copy of Futurama to watch with them to, like, quote it for some reason. And I had that on me in my backpack. So I'm like, hey, Billy, you want to sign my Futurama DVD? And he said, sure, I'd love to do that. Uh, what, what character do you like? And I'm like, uh, I love Zoidberg and Zap. Ah, uh, yes, the two characters I'm known for. <laughs> and then he writes, Sup, Billy West, on the DVD. And Alex, I'll send you a picture of it for this episode. <laughs> awesome. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So uh, thank you very much, Matt and Justin, for chiming in. We love hear, hearing our uh, listeners, Slimesters and Gatcoids, uh, lending us our thoughts, whether it's through Instagram or uh, by email. And uh, we hope that if you too have some thoughts to share about this episode, to email us at splatattack2021 at gmail.com. With that being said, uh, here's our closing question. What do you love most about each of these iconic Summer Pete and Pete episodes? Email us, DM us, even let us know in a comment on uh, YouTube. We'll check any place that people interact with us, honestly. I can tell you what my favorite thing about these two episodes is. It takes place in the summer. Yes. I hate winter. I hate it. So mm. I was very, anytime it's warm, I'm all about it. Ah. Yes. As long as there's a pool nearby, I like summer. <laughs> so that's a, <laughs> that, a that's my wife's love. logic. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, get in touch with us. Hopefully we'll get to hear some of your thoughts on this episode and, uh, we'll wrap this puppy up and dry off. But, uh, before we head home, Joey, thank you so much for joining us on this yes. podcast. Now we've had both halves of big orange couch on here and hopefully this won't be the last time that you join us. Just, uh, let us know what episodes you want to cover and we'll fit you in our schedule. Sounds great. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for reaching out and asking and, uh, being so gracious and, uh, I, I, yeah, just totally appreciate it. I, both Andrew and I do. Awesome. Yeah, we're really glad to have you here. And uh, yes, keep up the so great work. Keep up the great work with your podcast, too. We're excited to see you hit the big 300 uh, in about a year. Oh, my God. <laughs> might be, what what do you want to do to celebrate? I don't know. It might be quitting time, folks. Uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, if you do, do we have to have like an Olympic event where I have to go through all these tasks to have the torch passed on to us? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want. Whatever you want. No, we're okay. Yeah, we're 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 excited to we, we've definitely been slimming down to like just stuff we want to absolutely talk about at this point and uh yeah. but it's it makes been sense fun. yeah yeah well keep on going we we're rooting for you guys and we just <laughs> love all the content that you've done and inspired countless people to tune into you i uh, love you guys back thank you all right slimesters and gacoids that's uh it's time to get out of the pool because both adult and children's sim are over pool's closing and next week, um, once we dry off, we're actually going to head to O-Town, uh, to the sandy beaches uh, that we've kind of gotten a preview of in episode 21, where we played Rocco's Dangerous Day. But we're not going to be reviewing that again, no sir. We're actually going to be doing an episode review of Rocco's Modern Life, Sand in Your Navel, and we're going to be joined by our friend Kelsey from Of Slime and Slashers. So that's going to be a lot of fun to talk some Rocco with her and uh, see why this is kind of a controversial episode and also memorable for many Nick fans who grew up watching it. Uh, until then, Alex, will you drain the slime tank for us, please? Aye, aye, Cole Captain. Uh, be sure to grab uh, two blue tornadoes and a, and a pineapple board for us before Mr. Tasty drives off in the sunset. Uh, oh, shoot. <laughs> I thought you wanted sludgesicle bars. I mean, he was just kind of handing them to me. You don't want these? They're melting in my hand. Please take them. <laughs> uh, oh. Hey, hey, Captain Scrummy, wait up. I got to give these back to you. <laughs> Splat you later. Thank you, Mr. Java, for being so good to me and all you gut buckets out there. Have a great summer. See ya. Stay cool. <laughs> Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. Hard to believe, folks, but it's time to say goodbye. Nighty night. Hey, check us out next time for more adventure and another great legend of the Hidden Temple. What will we do till then? Chill for a couple. We'll be back. You're on, Nick. And it was time for the superhero to move on. I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Oh, bye-bye. <laughs> oh, talk to him, please. He'll listen to you. I can't take it anymore. Please just make him stop. <laughs> See what I can do. I hate to do this, Pete but you leave me no choice. How was it? Total annihilation! 
watch what Pete and Pete did on their summer vacation, or... You'll be sorry! A half-hour special adventure, today at 6.35.30 Central on Nickelodeon.